Hello and welcome to the F1 Rearview Podcast. I am Tom Lomas, your host for today. And of course, as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Reese Keeble. You, you told me this week that you introduced me as producer Reese. Sorry, this is the first so, time I've ever produced. Producer Reese. Oh. And Ruth, not producer Ruth. Not even wonderful. Wonderful. And the wonderful Ruth Buchanan. There she is. Thank you. There you go. Ooh. Uh, and today we are talking about, uh, I should also address the point that it's dark outside. Normally it's not before we get into anything. This is the F1 Review podcast, dark, uh, because Reese has decided that his work is more important than this podcast. And so it, we, he's, he's shoved us to the bottom of his priorities list uh, and we're having to record How this at 10 o'clock at night. So thanks, Reese. How dare you? It's actually probably more 11 o'clock now. Yep, quarter to 11 because we messed around that much before yeah. we started recording. Um, but not only that, I am literally saving up money so that we are actually able to move at the end of the month. Yeah. Thinking. Mm-hmm. Thinking. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that put aside... That was a nice segue. It that was. That was a nice segue into saying, oh yeah, this is the last podcast. Oh, that's me, what that should have been. Us. I'll do it's it, don't worry. It's what I aimed. Yeah. Go okay. That's a nice segue, Reese, to talking about the fact that we <laughs> this is the last episode we're doing apart from each other. Uh, next, <laughs> next week, or not next week, the Whenever Belgium is, uh, we will be back in a, in a studio in an apartment together. It's two weeks, apparently, according to Reese. We're back in a studio together, actually doing a real uh, podcast, real, not online. Yeah. Don't expect to see anything this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever we can be bothered to put it out. Yeah. It's next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we'll be more clued on about the race because we will literally sit down to record it after the race. Yeah. Which. A part of me thinks it's a bad idea because I like to have a couple of beers while watching the race, and by a couple, I mean about six. I think that makes you so. more lively, though, more enjoyable. To be honest, I'm def- I definitely or enjoy it- you more after a couple of beers. Do you, do you remember just to reminisce a little bit? Yeah. Do you remember the uh, the what was it? The episode in my kitchen. Yes. Where it was sponsored by a shy beer. Uh-huh. We weren't sponsors, and I, think, I was just likeless. I think that was like one of the first episodes of season one. So anyone? Yeah, that was that was the episode that I wasn't there. Yeah. To make sure that I, everything I was stayed the in line. Yeah, I and I, it. I had to edit yeah, a lot of drunk. a lot of naughty words Speaking out and which, a lot of um, this weird drunken rambling. This episode is sponsored by Pepsi Max. So. Be responsible. Don't Be drink. Responsible. Yep. Uh, and, as McCoy. Says. and McCoy's as well as, as well. They're all here. Nice. I've also noticed that this is backwards this week. I flipped my camera. I don't know if you noticed, so that when I look over here, I'm actually ah, looking at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it means the text is backwards mm. this weekend. I'm afraid, McCoy's. Yeah. Sorry, your sponsorship's backwards. It's forwards for me. Oh, is it? Maybe it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's forwards for me as well. Uh, for me, it's normally backwards. I'm looking at the output though, and on the output, it's definitely backwards. I'm afraid. Okay. Sorry. Reese and Ruth, Reese and Ruth get to enjoy it the the correct way around though, so that's enjoyable. Just, um, just before we actually get into the race as well, massive shout out to Wonky Lamb Shade. Wonky Lamp that will not be there Shade. in two weeks time because I will not be here in two weeks time. <laughs> Wonky Lamp Shade, everyone. Wonky Lamp Shade. Right. Right. Let's. Shall we stop rambling? Should we actually get on to what we're here to talk about? Yes. Yeah. The yeah, the, the, the Grand Prix de Espanol or Catalunya or whatever the, the Spanish Grand Prix. It was a Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah. Uh, let's just straight away get into it and, and give it a rating of what we think we thought about the race. Let's say who we thought was the best driver of the day, that kind of thing, uh, and we'll throw it over to Ruth to start. Okay. So you didn't catch my it. driver of the day. Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> My driver of the day. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's an F1 podcast. 
So my driver of the day was Stroll. Lance I think he Stroll. drove the best. And I think he had the best start as well on the grid of everyone. Mm-hmm. He definitely got the best of Bottas for a while. Um, and the rating, I'd probably give it 6 out of 10. Really? That's high. It was okay. a bit... And it was a bit boring, mm. but there was a couple of like moments, but mm, not really enough to be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Uh, and a quick side um, note, Ruth: um, Are you planning on disconnecting this week, or are you planning staying with us for the whole podcast? Good well, question. Honestly, it really depends. Yeah. <laughs> Hard hitting journalism here on the other. <laughs> <laughs> Reese, what did you think of the race? Um, so I'm going to say Perez was my driver of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he managed his tyres to want to do that one stop was significantly better than Sebastian Vettel, not going to lie, although he didn't know he was doing a one stop until it was way too late to do a one stop, yeah. we'll talk more about that later on, um, Perez was definitely my driver of the day though, apart from you know his little blue flag incident but he, he definitely deserved to finish higher than Stroll in my opinion Yeah. Um, although I will only give the race a 3 out of 10 because there's only 3 things that really mattered in the race but mm-hmm. everything else was just really really boring and it's also a three out of ten for the three cars that only really mattered for the lead in the race as well yeah so, i think yeah. I, I think i'll give it a four i'll be a bit more generous than you it was a it was a good it was not it wasn't a good race it was an all right race it was a bit <laughs> bit of a snooze fest but <laughs> there were some elements that were enjoyable i think for me the most exciting part of that race was in, was when the the radio call came out that rain might be on the way. Oh my yes. god, I've never been so excited for rain. That, that was one of my points. That was one of my points oh. when when I was like tapping me mum. I was like lap fifty, lap fifty, lap fifty. Coming. That's what Ferrari said. I looked smart as well because old Crofty was like a couple of laps like, oh yeah, lap fifty. It looks like the rain's coming in. I'm like big brain, big brain, big brain, I know big brain. Look at that lap fifty. And then what happened on lap fifty, Reese? No rain. No rain. It just didn't come, no did it? It was the most no. disappointing thing I've ever had. But I'm, I should be used to it by now. In F1, they always say, oh, rain might be on the way. And then every time, rain's never on the way. <laughs> I feel like we got a bit too excited as well because I, I, I do I do think that they did say that there was only a 20% chance of rain. Mm. And if someone said, yeah, give, me yeah. give me 100 quid and there's a 20% chance I'll double it. Yeah. I wouldn't give them the 100 quid. I wouldn't either, no. <laughs> right, it's just... The race had just been so boring since then. Even if, even though it was a two-stop and two-stops meant to be exciting, it was still not that fun. But then when the idea of a three-stop intermediate was added in, I was like, oh, here we go. But it never came. It was, yeah, not not great. Um, Shall we go through the race from practically start to finish? Yes. That, there's not that many points. Um, the start thing that I've got in, in my notes mm-hmm. is that um, Lewis led every lap from Paul. Every single lap, he was unstoppable. He was unstoppable. Absolutely crazy. And I think that's 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 a part of the problem. <laughs> Lewis is too good. He needs to he needs to dial it down a little bit, or at least Mercedes needs to dial it down a little bit and and give someone else a chance to challenge him. Max is trying so hard to get there, and you could, we'll talk about it a bit more in the race. But he was getting so angry on that radio because he just wants to be able to challenge that Mercedes, and he just doesn't have it in the car, does he? So about the Mercedes, the other Mercedes, Bottas. Didn't have a good start at all. He went down to fourth. Now, yeah. Ruth, do you, do you think? Um, question for Ruth Tom, so you can be quiet. Oh, okay. Um, do you do you think that Bottas should have probably passed? I think it was Stroll, wasn't it, ahead of Bottas? 
Um, do you think that um, Bottas should have passed Stroll sooner? Because it did take him a few laps. Mm, I think he should have probably passed much sooner than he did. He would have had a much easier time of maybe getting close enough to Verstappen to then take back P2. But it's hard to say because the race could have gone either way, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think Bottas definitely had a good shot at doing something better to Stroll. He took too long to get past him. Stroll had a great start, managed to really get his nose up in the inside in turn one and managed to get a really good exit and and have a good whack at at taking p3 and for a while they probably thought maybe it could have happened but eventually but Bottas just didn't I don't know it was a weird one wasn't it Bottas just didn't seem like he wanted to get past him I feel like he should have been able to pretty easily get on through that I I just don't really know what happened the the Catalonian circuit is really known for being a hard overtaking circuit yeah but when you're in the best car on the grid yeah should it be that hard? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So. Catalonia, it's, it's, it's one of the most hated circuits on the track. I mean, we come here for testing, so the teams already have an absurd amount of knowledge about the track, which doesn't help the race, because when you know exactly how the car runs in that track and how the race is going to play out, you can predict it so easily. Where the little bubbles are in the track. And exactly. Stuff like that. And, and that means that yeah. overtaking doesn't happen because everyone knows how to optimise the track to their best ability. Yeah, things just don't really go their way because it's just a tricky track to overtake in in the first place. Really, I think Catalonia was designed as a MotoGP track, not as a F1 track. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of issues that come from it in in that sense, and I think we saw that a perfect example of that this weekend, and we've seen it weekends past as well in previous years. It's a circuit that needs to be either changed to Jerez or something like another Spanish circuit that's very good. Or just completely scrapped. I don't know. It's tough to say because I love Spain as a you know country. Weird. <laughs> um, but like in Formula One, I mean, like you look at Carlos, you look at Alonso. There's some great people that have come from from Spain. So you you want to see them have a great home Grand Prix. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, the only uh, real places that were lost was at the start. So, like I said about Bottas losing to. Another person who, lo- who lost to was uh, Lando Norris. Mm. Lando managed to lose two places off the start, which was disappointing. Um, but Gasly managed to gain two. And that's all that really really happened in the in the opening few laps, to be fair. Well, let's have a chat about Lando, actually, because I feel like the whole way through that race, he was just really, like, bit in the, the middle of... You know, it was a bit of a piggy mm. in the middle. Like he wasn't mm. really fighting for points, but at the same time, he wasn't really fighting with with anyone behind him. He was around tenth, I think, pretty much the whole Grand Prix, wasn't he? Yeah. And just kind of being back and forth with cars and things. It was a really, it was a weird one that he was just. I don't know. I it felt strange. My, my he was never really there. This, my argument with it is that the, the, you're kind of going to stay in the same place mm. when there's a DRS train going on for yeah. the whole race for the 71 laps or whatever it was that the race this week, that there is, there is going to be a DRS train. Every like you just said, everyone knows how to use the track to the optimum of ability. So how, how is he going to improve from the, the only place that I could see anyone making a drastic improvement was on that, on, on lights out. Mm. And that is, that's like, Oh, a failed pit stop, but, mm. you know, and we didn't see any failed pit stops. Yeah. I think there was only one pit stop that was actually not very great, which was Hamilton and Bottas. They brought them in at the same time in the Mercedes yeah. garage, and 
I'm not 100% sure what happened, but I know that Lewis's pit stop was a bit longer than it normally is. I think it was Lewis's back left tyre that got stuck. Do not quote me on that because I'm not knowledgeable with stuff like this. But I do think it was Lewis's back left tyre. And luckily, Bottas held back just enough that it didn't affect the double stack. But if yeah. he did it, like if, if it would have affected the double stack, we would have seen a different race. Well, not a different race, yeah, but I, a different probably top three. Yeah. It, again, yeah. it was it was always going to be a Mercedes two car two Mercedes cars on the podium. I think will pretty much yeah. be the trend for every single race this season. And just, you know, just on, on that real quick. Go on, um, Ruth. Can we look at your predictions from last week, please? Because last week for this race, because if I recall correctly, you said that Mercedes were going to struggle and Lewis wouldn't get on uh, the podium. Yeah. I really, really hoped that something would happen and the race would be much more interesting than it yeah. was. So just, just to but clear it up, yours was a whole not prediction. If yours was a whole not prediction, I can let you off with it. Yeah, it was just a hope, really. There, just a hope. There I mean, was, just a hope. There, but that was it. There was so much hope coming off of Silverstone last week, having the Red Bull finally win a race, Mercedes not win every race. There was so much hope that it was going to finally bring an end to the Mercedes domination, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it wasn't. We saw the Mercedes yeah. tyre struggles last week with like, this is going to be a hot race as well. Maybe the Mercedes will st- tr- uh, struggle with their tyres again here. But no. In fact, I think it was the reverse. Red Bull had more issues with their tyres this week by the, by the sounds of it from Max on the radio than um, than the Mercedes did. And I think they, they even tried to mess with that and they wanted to try and find a way that they could do a one-stop more smoothly. And they actually, I think, ruined Alex's race because of that. Because Max was complaining about his tyres. He was struggling on the softs. They knew if they put it in for the mediums at that point, then he was going to be really behind on pit stops to Bottas. Uh, And so they wanted to gamble for the hards, but they didn't want to gamble Max onto the hards. So instead, they put Alex onto the hards. And from there, Alex's races fell away, didn't it? So let let me ask you a question, Tom, from Mm -hmm. this. So I do agree Alex's race was absolutely diabolical once that pit stop happened. Um. But if you're the teams looking at the tyre times, okay, and, like, so obviously we get shown the little, um, and these are the start of the race, and it's like, you've got your tyres with them and everything. Um, if you can see that it's only, like, one-tenth fast, uh, one-tenth slower to go for the hards, but it lasts for the same amount of laps, would you take that gamble? Because they were saying that the hards are effectively another medium for this race. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, those tyre, you can't read too much into those because the teams have the real tyre data. Um, from practice, we very quickly knew and the teams knew that the hard tyre was not a good tyre for this weekend. And I think a lot of the teams decided at that point, chances are hards are not going to be used this weekend. So so why did Red Bull put Alex on it then? Because not that you're in Red Bull, but be, why would they do it? Yeah, well, to be honest, I think a lot of teams, and we have seen it in the past where the teams have said the hards are rubbish and no one's used the hards all weekend. Then the race, someone's put the hards on and their race has been turned around completely and they've been really good. That has happened in the past. And I think Red Bull, at the stage where, at the position where Albon was, they could gamble with him because he was never really going to be fighting for the top. And if it worked out for Alex and it was a good result, they could then put Max on that strategy as well and potentially look at a one-stop and a win. Obviously, it didn't work. Alex was terrible on those tyres and actually ended up switching back to the mediums after a few laps. Um, and so they went for the two-stop with Max as well. It was a gamble, um, but gambles are what you have to take in Formula 1. And sometimes the strategy doesn't pay off, sometimes it does pay off. Uh, doesn't pay off, sometimes it does even. 
So speaking of gambles as well, Carlos Sainz, uh, when he came into the pits, he went from the first pit stop, went from softs to another set of softs. If mm-hmm. if you were the mechanic, uh, if you were the pit crew, well, not the pit crew, but you know what I mean, the people who advise the pit crew, you're, you're, you're big brain people. Mm-hmm. Would you would you want to risk going from soft to soft to then medium? Or would you rather get the medium in there and then see how he's doing and then get the softs on? Um, again, I think it's very situational. I think the strategists would look at it as he's work. He he was in the middle of a DRS. That was the word I was looking for. Sorry. Yeah, the strategists. Strategist. Yeah, he was in the middle of a DRS train. They were fighting very uh, viciously, and if Carlos could get a grip advantage when everyone else went to mediums, if Carlos got a grip advantage of the softs in that DRS train, that could help him a lot to get through it. Which I think is probably what they did. Yeah, and I I think that is what uh, McLaren were thinking. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't make too much of a difference. Obviously, the other cars would then just have grippier tyres at the end of the race, uh, and Carlos would not. But once you get position at um, Catalonia, like we said already, it's very difficult to lose that position. So I think it was a good gamble, to be fair. I think as well, worth saying about um, him going on to another set of selfs is I think he pitted around between lap 20 and lap 25 and those soft tires are supposed to last around 15 to 25 laps which depends on the car but i'm pretty sure for him it lasted quite a while with the chance of rain coming in on the 50th lap it was a pretty good gamble he would have had to have pitted either way whether it was intermediates or mediums that were going on so i think it was definitely worth the risk for him to see with me watching it i didn't i wasn't aware that um, they knew that the chance of rain was around then, if you know what I mean. I, I, I knew that the drivers were reporting it, like you, you heard on Lewis's radio, but I didn't think it was until up around lap 30 that it was like, oh, these, these clouds are getting dark. Yeah. But then again, if mm-hmm. they did not, like, but they're, you know, they're smarter than all the broadcasters and everything. The strategists know what they're doing. They've got the weather reports like NASA do. Yeah. So like you said, Ruth, they probably did know that there was a chance of rain, soft to soft, quite smart. Well, I think yeah. whilst we're on the topic of strategists, we'll talk about uh, the drivers sometimes thinking they know better than the strategists. Sometimes it does work. And I think we also saw it work today, uh, well, this this weekend. Um, we saw it last weekend, Max, when the strategist said you need to back off and save the tyres, Max said, no, I don't want to sit here like a grandma. This weekend, uh, Lewis made a similar call. The team were asking him to come into the pits to put on uh, to go from onto softs like Bottas had, had had done a few laps before, and I know I'm skipping ahead a few points here, guys. But I, just, I think it would link. I thought the strategist talk uh, could go well together here. Um, he said, "No, I don't want to go onto softs," and he went round another lap after they told him to box and said, "Put mediums on me instead. I think mediums will work." And he was right because Bottas struggled on those softs after that. Hamilton found great pace on those mediums, mm-hmm. um, and I think as much as the strategist had the data and you know all that stuff. The, the the drivers are the one that knows what tyres they, they need. Uh, and I think especially people like Lewis and Max, who we've seen in the past few races, make some great calls over their strategists. Uh, and I think that does make the difference of a really good driver from a not-so-good driver, if you know what I mean, like Bottas, for example. Yeah, I think it's definitely... Oh. I mean, that's a bold claim to say that's true. <laughs> the strategists... Sorry, I'm lagging. I'm really lagging behind now. <laughs> the strategists can you know, look at the data and everything. But at the end of the day, without having that knowledge of being inside the car and knowing exactly how that car feels, depending on which tyre it's on and, you know, just as a driver, how much you're having to push and things on certain tyres, it's 
I think sometimes the drivers just know what works and what doesn't. And I, I like hearing those bits of radio because it shows that the drivers are competent and that, you know, they can say, look, you're making a bad call here. This is what I want you to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think strategists are good as much as they are good but in a lot of senses they can also be bad and again we saw a perfect example of it this weekend ferrari were all over the place of their strategy this weekend and we've seen ferrari to be honest have been all over the place of their strategy for the past few races they really don't seem to know what they're doing vettel had a weird argument with his mechanic after he first said can we do a one-stop on the tyre? The mechanic said no. And then like a few laps later, the mechanic came back saying, do you think you can do a one-stop? And he was like, I just asked you that and you said no. Uh, and there's this back and forth going on. We also saw an issue with Leclerc. Um, obviously, he span, which we used to seeing yeah. Vettel do that, not Leclerc. Um, and I think it wasn't his fault. The engine seemed to just cut out halfway through a corner. Very weird. I don't think we've, I've never really seen that happen before. Um, but he, he ended up, being able to restart the engine and then the mechanics didn't know what to do. They brought him in and then the end decided to, it just seemed messy, didn't it? From Ferrari all weekend. They just, it was Vettel all season. They just seemed messy, haven't they? I think Mm -hmm. um, looking at Vettel's uh, radio, like that, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's not Vettel's fault. Everyone likes to jump on Vettel and go, he's leaving. He just wants to make everyone aggy and stuff like that. But that's not his fault. I think he sent a radio message in on lap 45 or something saying, are we keeping these till the end? They said, no, push. So then he pushed for a few laps on them where he could have been preserved his tyres. And then, you know, lap 52, he gets the message saying, what do you think about keeping these to the end? Not on at all. Not on at all. If that was Lewis... If that was anyone, you'd be getting the same reaction saying, I've just asked you that. I know. So, it, it just it does seem ridiculous that they don't... There needs to be better communication there. I don't understand how they can make that mistake. And obviously, they probably saw that where Vettel's position was, a one-stop would suit him now. But surely they should have predicted that a few laps earlier. That's their job, is to know that. And you can you can understand why Seb's getting so frustrated because he, he must feel like he's in a team that doesn't want him. And that is going to be so tricky for him to try and perform in. How can you conform in a position in a in a place where you aren't wanted? You, it's tricky to do, isn't it? And people are going to jump on his back saying he's lost it. He shouldn't be in Formula One anymore. Whereas, really, should he just be given a better chance from a team that actually want him? Like, I don't know. It's I feel really bad for him actually. Um, I just I don't understand. He, to be honest, I think he had a really good race, all things considered. He made those soft tires go thirty something laps in the end, which shouldn't have happened. He did really well, I think, in the end. Yeah, well, moving think, on from that. Oh, sorry, go on, Sorry. Ruth. I think it was definitely a shame that Leclerc went out when he did as well because right before that, you know, he was having... He was really pushing the car and at one point he was wheel-to-wheel with Norris and, you know, it was just really good driving from two young drivers. It was so refreshing to see that after watching a race where the top three are the only ones who are actually competing and everyone behind that is just being that. Mm. You know, it it was definitely so nice to see that and then obviously he went out. I think, I don't know, it's just such a shame with how the Ferraris are at the moment. I keep seeing a lot of things on like F1 groups and things, you know, how everyone says that Racing Point is last year's Mercedes. I keep seeing a lot of people saying this year's Ferrari is this year's Haas as well and just just random bits like that because people just don't 
just don't see the team performing as well as they have done. Well, another another point to go along with that is that I think the fans really felt for Vettel after that incident because he did get driver of the day. Yeah. Which I, I, I'm still fully far. I know we've had this conversation many a times. So I'm still fully far a point for driver of the day. I know it's just a fan vote, but it, it, it would it would make, I don't know. Obviously, you've got the bigger teams with more fans, so you'd have to, I don't know. I don't know how you'd have to do it, but I'm fully for that. But yeah, Vettel got driver of the day, which does show that the fans realise that, hang on a minute, he's, the, he's an incredible driver here. He's also been battling his team mm. for the entire race, never mind the other races, been battling the team as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. He, he, he's in a real struggle at the moment and I, I'm sure he can't wait for the season to be over and I do hope I do hope he gets to see it Aston Martin next year and whilst admittedly Hulkenberg and, and a lot of other people would be great for that seat and I would love to see other people in that seat I also want to see Vettel there to, just for him to get some redemption and, and, and to show people who are doubting him and to say look I'm a four time world champion and I deserve that it, you know I am actually a good driver Ferrari and I just never got along and I do want to see that I really do I think on that point a little bit more, it's so hard because there's drivers who have had seats and have had a long time and stuff, but then there's also drivers who haven't had the opportunity to race mm. and stuff. You know, I'm obviously a Hulkenberg fan. I've said it on here many times. I would much rather see Hulkenberg race than I would see Vettel race. But at the same time, you know, there's so many, so many drivers for such a, a small sport in actuality there's only 20 places yeah. on the grid at the moment and there's however many drivers i just i don't know it's so hard because i i know that Vettel is a good driver and that he would probably do really well at a different team like aston martin but then you know it's do you stay in the past or do you try and move on with newer drivers it's just yeah it's, you know. it's a tricky one isn't it it really is uh, that side then Vettel aside it's been an interesting couple races Hamilton has continued to dominate and I we've said it before in the podcast and I think I'll say it again now I cannot see Hamilton not winning the title now I think this is 100% his season again it's going to be a 7th world championship almost certainly um, he's now 37 points clear of, uh, of Verstappen in the driver's standing which is you know he could, Verstappen, um, Hamilton could mess up about two races and still have a good chance at a title now. So he, I don't know. I can't see Hamilton losing it. But what will, will this will this seventh championship continue to be? The, will the domination continue after this? I mean, what what sees next year? Will he keep being as good as he is, or you know, are we going to see some kind of something happen where we can actually see some challenging in Formula 1 again? Or is it just Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton now? Um, so, um, I I personally think that he will stay in the spot and as long as he's in that uh, Silver Arrows team on our Black Arrows, I've never heard anyone call him Black Arrows, I want to copyright that, but the Black Arrows, um, I, I reckon he'll carry on dominating and carry on winning. And he, he can probably do it till he's about 50. Mm. You know what I mean? He, he, he's He's... He's built for it. He's he's a very athletic man. And I also noticed that I think it was his 83rd Grand Prix win. And you can, I know he's always, he's always going, oh, I don't, I don't look at the records, me. But you can't tell me that he doesn't want to get to 100. Imagine being an F1 driver to get 100 Grand Prix wins. Oh, amazing. Yeah. You know, 
So the, you, you, you can't tell me that he doesn't want to do that. He's going to try and stay in the spot until he's done that, beat Schumacher's record, and then that that's him. That's what I think will happen. Well, one record that might take him a while to break is another one that was set this weekend. Lovely little segue there. I hope you appreciate that. Uh, I mean, I was wanting Ruth Sanser on it. Oh, but... well, I saw the opportunity. I dived in. I'm sorry, mate. Uh, okay. Kimi Raikkonen. We'll talk about Kimi. We'll come back to Lewis. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was a great opportunity, and I dived in there. Uh, Kimi on lap 37 did the most miles an F1 driver has ever covered. He, he, he set a record for the most miles ever set by a Formula 1 driver. It now makes him the most experienced Formula 1 driver ever in terms of distance covered. Obviously, he comes with, with the record, I suppose. And he's driven almost twice the circumference of the earth in a Formula 1 car. That's an incredible stat, isn't it? That is something so, amazing. The best thing I've seen all weekend is a journalist saying it to him. And he's just sitting there like this. Oh, he doesn't like care. He's just completely wasn't bothered. <laughs> he's not, he's not bothered. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the best thing I've seen all weekend. Oh, my God. He, 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 Kimmy doesn't... He knows. I think he knows. He's, like, he's at the point where he's like, yeah, I'm 40. I've been driving since I was, like, 20. I know exactly how this sport works. I know I've broken a lot of old man records, but I still like it. Uh, I think <laughs> I think he just enjoys it. He just... He does. He doesn't actually care that he's driven the most he just wants to enjoy each race and just have the experience i am another point that's also worth saying i only just saw about this today i didn't actually see anything about it when the race actually happened but bottas actually lost three kilograms i think it was from the start of the race to the end of the race Mm. and during the race he um he was complaining a lot because his overalls were now black and he was saying it's so hot to race in well, black overalls. I, I believe, I believe his actual actually... radio rest. Sorry, go on. I was trying to jump in, but then you moved too fast. Oh, sorry. sorry. No. <laughs> At the end, he also said that the black overalls were the reason that he lost three kilograms during the race because it was just so, so hot in that car. I think it was lap five, I think. Do not quote me on that. Like I said, I'm not a statistics person. Where the little radio thing went on, like, and then he's like, Crofty's like, one second. And then he literally went, these black overalls are big and hot. That that was literally his radio message. Uh, Brundle made, honestly, I think the funniest joke I've ever heard Brundle make. And he said, is he talking about how good they look or how hot they are? To be fair, that is quite funny for Brundle. I was like, Martin, that is one of the best jokes I've ever heard you make. That is actually funny. <laughs> I actually gave a little chuckle for him. Uh, but, do you, I mean, do you reckon we'll see Bottas rock up uh, in Belgium wearing white overalls again? Do you think he's he's going to say that's to. enough for the black ones or, or what? I, I think if he feels uncomfortable, go for it. I, I, was, I was thinking that during the race. I yeah. was like, look, obviously, new livery and all that, but if your driver's feeling uncomfortable... Getting back into the uh, into the white ones. There's, yeah. there's no there's no real need for it. To be fair, as long as you got the same sponsors on there, there's no no issue. Yeah, as long as you still mean, has Black Lives Matter or something written on it to make the point. That's an yeah. absolutely insane amount of weight. Three to kilos, lose. yeah. It's <laughs> from sweat during uh, what an hour and a half race. That is crazy. They probably thought he was cheating. They were like, "What? How have you lost this much weight? You what?" <laughs> Where's the the stones that you've lobbed at? Uh, Right, 
Let's let's talk about something else completely different now, uh, away from Bottas. Some more news that we heard this week. Um, we'll talk about this one first. I've got two stories I want to, to pick on um, particularly. First one is some really actually uh, disgusting news, some really really disappointing news, um, and and scummy news. That I'm really I'm really angry about it. Um, I'm annoyed, but it's the way you're scowling. I'm very I'm very I'm very angry at the person that has done this. You look like you've absolutely lost it. If the person the camera is pointing down at you as well. <laughs> if the person that has done this is listening to this podcast right now, you're in for it, mate. You're in for it. It's like it's like the do not call me a TikTok. Sorry, carry on. Let's go on to the story. Uh, Pierre yeah, Gasly Pierre Gasly has uh, obviously his, his main house when he's not racing his main house is in Tuscany in France um, and he returned from the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend to find out that someone whilst he was away at the Grand Prix and obviously someone that knew he was away at the Grand Prix broke into his house and stole a lot of his precious and personal items took a lot of his helmets from from throughout his karting career a lot of memories uh, they also took the trophy that he won um, last year for getting on the podium in Brazil, a lot of things that he worked very hard to achieve that people just have taken from him and they've completely taken advantage of the point that they knew he wouldn't be there, that he'd be away at the race. I mean, why Why would anyone do it? We've, we've heard it before happening in football when like um, massive European matches have been played and things, Manchester City players having their houses broken into because they know they're not there. Some people, I mean, what what can you say? What can you say? I mean, I honestly, if you say, what can you say? I don't have anything to say on this. Yeah, I think you summed up perfectly. It's just what a scummy thing to do, you know? So, yeah, if Mr. Robert, if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm sure you are, because why wouldn't you be? We'll find you. We'll find you. Give it back to Pierre. Mm. He worked so hard for that stuff. He deserves it. He's been sacked from Red Bull. He's having a mediocre... He's having actually an all right season. He's got P9 this weekend. Give him his stuff back. He needs it. I'm not being funny. What, what are they going to do with it? Like, if they try and sell it, you know, everyone knows that it's been robbed. Yeah. If, if it's... It's it's, it's not like you can go... Back, you know what I mean? Yeah. A collection of Pierre Gasly's mm-hmm. helmets pop up on eBay. You know where they've come from, don't you? Yeah. Don't buy them. <laughs> yeah, don't... If you buy them, give them back. <laughs> <laughs> or just buy them and don't PayPal him. Just waste his time. Uh, the other story. There we go. That's just my. I just wanted to say that because I hate that, and I, I hate people that do that. And I know they're listening, so stop doing it. It's not on. <laughs> hey, wait, hold on. What, what do you mean you know they're listening? Are you accusing our audience of being dirty robbers? Uh, I mean, we've got a very large audience. Let's be honest. It's not just eleven people. We've got more than eleven people that listen to this podcast. So you know, I know he's just out stop there. Being stop being dirty robbers. Yeah. <laughs> Do not listen to us. Please don't. Please All don't right. unsubscribe. Uh, we need subscribers. Um, the other, and this is a, this is an actual news story now. Not that that wasn't. This is a more in- interesting one. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, AWS, Amazon Web Services, and Formula One this week have come together to create the ultimate list of the fastest drivers in Formula One. They've looked at the data of the past forty years of Formula One. And they've put together this list that actually is, and there's a whole algorithm that's worked out, but it's worked out who is the fastest driver in Formula One. Have you guys seen this list? It's a really interesting list. 
because surprisingly I share my pre-podcast prep with you, but you don't share it back with me. <laughs> I only I just remembered about this halfway through the podcast. I thought we should include it. So here we are. Um, so yeah, this is a list that is been generated of the top ten fastest drivers in Formula One. So that, that this is a debate. Gone. If if Hamilton's first, then if they use the same algorithm that it is to work out, you know, the GCSE results. <laughs> Topical. I like it. Topical. topical. Let's take a U-turn. Let's take that a U-turn. Topical. That's a topical bit of banter. That's what God, Reese, look at you reading the topical newspapers. I watch Money. the news every week. Don't worry. <laughs> BBC News yeah, at six. Reese is there. <laughs> or at work. Or at work. You'll yeah. find me even watching BBC News at six. Or at work. Uh, go on. He's uh, the top, Sam. So, Lewis isn't top, unfortunately. Um, oh, at the God. top is the late and great uh, Ayrton Senna. Um, with a gap of zero 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 because he sets the pace, so he is the fastest driver. And then from from here down, we have now got the gap between that man and the person behind them. So yeah, people were understanding. Yeah, yeah that's how the gap works. So second after Ed and Senna is Michael Schumacher, who the statistics again. This isn't our opinion. I know this is a hotly debated subject, and it has been for years. This is real data. So this apparently is real. I don't know. I'm not. Mm, don't take my word for it, but. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, he knows what he's talking about. Second, right, second is Michael Schumacher, zero point one one four, slower than Ayrton Senna. Third is Lewis Hamilton, zero point two seven five slower than Ayrton Senna. Fourth. Okay, so not only did Ruth not think he was going to get a podium this weekend. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. Ruth didn't think he was getting a podium this weekend. He's actually got a lifetime podium now. I'll tell you what. I just feel. Yeah. Let's make a little game out of this. I, I don't feel very good about it. You guys if have got some great. Guess who's next? It's not happening. Great history of Formula One knowledge you guys have got. <laughs> Fourth place. Who do you reckon it is? He's zero point two eight seconds slower than Ayrton Senna. He's a current Formula One driver. Uh, Sebastian Vettel. Oh no, he's in the top ten, but he's not fourth. Kimi Raikkonen. No. He's not got a champion. He's not. He's never won a championship. Bottas. No. I'm. I'm just going to oh. say it. Um, Max Verstappen is fourth, which how many, is how many times did you want me? To... <laughs> I hate this game. Max Verstappen is fourth. Uh, he's apparently only five thousandths slower than uh, Lewis Hamilton, and then fifth. And I'll only do the top five. I'll let you go and look at the rest of the list and keep yourselves engaged. Uh, and fifth is Fernando Alonso, obviously making his return next year. He's apparently three point no, zero point three oh nine slower than. Uh, Ayrton Senna I just think this is a, I mean I've probably sent everyone to sleep I mean, you're, you're obviously amused I've, I've, I've had a long shift at work I'm I mean off this, this stool in a minute this is really interesting data I mean it's it's been hotly debated for a long time who the best and fastest driver in Formula 1 is uh, and, and it I still think... will be because that's a lot of absolute tripe don't Jeff Bezos came up with this list Amazon Amazon have worked hard to come up with this you list you can your multi-billions <laughs> and shove it where it's undone shine <laughs> Um, but I mean there's some really interesting names in this list so make sure you go and check it out if if you're at all interested Yano Truly Uh, is in the top 10 so that's a little easter egg for you Nicky Lauda is he in the top 10 he's not Uh, no he's not yeah Yano Truly and Heiko Kovalainen oh do you know who they are I bet you don't I you broke up you broke up didn't you so no I don't no carry on let's do the outro Uh, okay is that the end are we finished have you, got, well, have you got else to say? I've not got any more stories to whip out without letting you know. No, I mean, I could sure. find something, I'm sure. But 
I'd rather you didn't. I mean, we're we're forty minutes into this. I didn't think this podcast would last twenty minutes. We know how much to talk about Spain was a very boring race. Last twenty minutes, and now it's nearly half past eleven. I know we've been going for a while, haven't we? Yeah, yeah quite, sorry, quite sorry about that. Well, shall I wrap it so, up then? I probably should wrap it up, I mean, shouldn't I? I mean, I want I want Ruth to wrap it up this week. To oh, be fair. Ruth, take it away. Oh God, really? Is, it, is that the right side? Yep, go on. Pause on you. This is Thank the most you very much for ever. watching. Well, you've just interrupted sorry. the outro. Can you shut up and let do the outro? Ruth, it's actually above you. Thank She's above you, you very much. Okay, I'm not doing the outro anymore. <laughs> Do it. We're holding you up. We're holding you up. Thank you very much for watching this episode or listening to this episode of the podcast. Inclusive. We will not be here next week. We will be back the week after, in which we will all actually be in the same house and no longer filming in this format. So join us next time. Join us. Like, subscribe. Are you going to say your name? I have I've, been Ruth. I've been Reese. I've been Bob. Tom. I've also been Tom. Uh, and we'll see you next time on the F1 Review Podcast. Bye.